Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by one of Bike Radar's mountain bike technical editors, Tom Marvin, a regular guest on the podcast, and a not-so-regular guest, Gary Walker, a man who may not be on the airwaves very often, but is truly at the heart of keeping Bike Radar ticking over every day. Regular listeners to this podcast may remember that last year, Gary was going to embark on his new long-term test bike adventure and had a consultation, would we call it a consultation? I think it's fair to say. With myself, Alex, and Tom. <laughs> myself, Alex and Tom to find out what was going to be the best bike for Gary. We've been kind of tracking Gary's progress over the last year on the site. It's all been some really, really excellent reading. Highly recommend going and having a look back at that. We'll put a link to that in the podcast description. But in today's episode, we're going to have a sort of a post-year consultation to see whether we got it right, whether our suggestion for Gary was right. Before we crack on though, how are we both doing? Tom, we'll start with you. I'm doing all right. Thank you, Jack. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to a week off next week, which will be delicious. Uh, and then a, a quick little launch over to Spain the week after. So I'm looking forward to a bit of European sun and some fine food and a little <laughs> bit of dining. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Gary, will you be doing anything quite as exciting as that, as Bike Radar's dogged sub-editor? Arguably more exciting because I'm getting married in four weeks. Oh. Yeah, hold the phones. Wow. Oh. Well, speaking of romance, let's get into your last year with your wonderful bike. So there's a bit of background. Gary, you came to us, uh, joined Bike Radar, and at the time you were riding what could only be described as quite a sad road bike. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, no no shade on my uh, soon-to-be brother-in-law, Dan, who very kindly donated the bike to me. But um, yeah, it wouldn't have been making any best lists, that's for sure. <laughs> was, it, was it a Viking or something? A Giro d'Italia in a, in a fetching banana yellow. Wow. Uh, uh, and, you know, it was doing it was doing a very admirable job of getting me to and from work. Um, yeah, a, but it was, 
It's less of a good bike than the one that I've been riding for the last 12 months. I, w- I will say that. Absolutely. You were set for better things than your rather sad bike. You got quite a lot of probably unfair abuse from the generally snobby cyclists <laughs> that you work with and decided that you were a perfect candidate for the long-term roster. So tell us, Gary, with this bike that you eventually settled on, what were your kind of what did you want out of it? So I was looking for something that could be one bike for all purposes. I, I don't want to have a I don't have a shed, so I don't want to have a house full of numerous different bikes, uh, unlike most of my colleagues probably have the exact reverse opinion. How many do you have right now, Tom, in your house, do you reckon? Oh, in the garage. Oh, in the house, only one actually in the house. In the garage, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine and a half in the garage today. Does that make you quite anxious, Gary, the thought of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, one of us would have to move into the garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit early in our in our married life to uh, to be living in separate parts of the house or indeed outside the house. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted something that would uh, that would be a you know a reliable commuter bike, get me to and from work, to and from the pub, um, something that could handle a bit of light gravel riding and maybe if I was feeling really ambitious, something I could throw some bike packing bags on and, and dip my toe in, into that world. And, you know, as part of this, we ended up with quite a lot of back and forth in the previous podcast. We were deciding between whether an electric bike could be good for you for kind of commuting or whether just a you know, regular non-assisted bike could be the choice for you. We'll get right into it. Tell us, Gary, what did you end up with? So I ended up with the catchily titled Ribble Hybrid AL Leisure Fully Loaded Edition. It's uh, it's a It comes with the SRAM NX Eagle Group Set, Tektro Disc Brakes, uh, Mavic All-Road Disc Wheels, 650B Wheels, 47mm WTB Horizon tyres, and it retails for just shy of £1,200. Has it got a motor? No motor, Tom. Uh, mm. See, that was my suggestion last time around, get an e-bike. Well, maybe we'll... You braved it. <laughs> you braved a non-assisted bike. <laughs> but, you know, the Ribble, the hybrid AL is sort of like a flat bar. We'll call it like a premium hybrid. Mm. So like a midway between like a gravel bike and a, and a hybrid, we'd say. It's a lovely brown colour as well, by the no, way. No, it's actually green. Is it's, it a, green? it's an extremely fetching British oh. racing green, Tom. Have you not seen it in the, uh, I in, read in the, the bike I read story? your whole long-term report and I could have sworn it was brown. Are you colourblind? <laughs> <laughs> I might go to the opticians in a minute. So Gary, you, you kind of settled, or we all settled together as a committee that the sort of flat bar hybrid commuter was going to be right for you after some back and forth. I mean, Tell us now, honestly, you're not going to hurt our feelings. Was it the right kind of bike for you? I mean, the short answer, yes. It's been it's been a, a huge success uh, it, as a bike for me. It's been it's it, the the shifting hasn't from uh, SRAM NX Eagle has not missed a beat in the whole year. Um, I found the ride position upright, but also fairly fairly sporty, really enjoyable to ride. It's got me to and from work every day through all weather. I managed two 50-mile-plus longer rides, done a bit of gravel. It has been a brilliant all-rounder. I'm very, very pleased with it. Excellent. And and kind of, you know, I would really encourage you to read Gary's long-term report. It's very characterful. It's very amusing. But, like, give us some tastes of the highs of ownership. Those big 50-mile rides were sort of a, a key moment for you, I get the sense. It, it's extremely charitable that you call 50 miles a big ride, Jack. Well, it's, uh, it is. It's relative. Yeah. punchy. I mean, it certainly was for me because my, my previous longest probably would have been about 20. So, uh, yeah, it was a day last August to set off on a... The plan was to ride as far as I could from my home in Bristol to the Dorset coast, which in totality would be just over 60 miles. And my partner, Becky, uh, has got a Volkswagen Caddy. And the plan was she'd set off a few hours after me and follow down. And wherever I flaked out, she'd pick me up. 
That's a lovely way mm. to spend an afternoon. That's yeah. that's no, zero stress bailout rides. Better wonderful. than relying on a train. <laughs> and the uh, the Ribble completely exceeded my expectations, as did my own my own fitness, and I made it all the way to Dorset. I, I eventually threw in the towel in Dorchester, sixty miles away from home. Um, by that stage, I had made a couple of or a, a one notable tweak to the stock spec. Uh, I'd got rid of the tyres it comes with. Um, the bike is spec'd with 47mm WTB Horizon tyres, which are great for rumbling down gravel paths, not so great for dragging yourself up tarmac mm. climbs uh, in the middle of the Jurassic Coast. 47mm mm. <laughs> is like a genuinely wide tyre as well. It's quite, quite an unusual tyre, that fat, but also slick. So, mm. yeah. Yes. I've got a set of um, Schwalbe G1 something or others uh, in a 47C uh, on, a, on a current test bike. And uh, yeah, I, I like them. I like that sort of width. You get a lot of, lot of comfort, but there's a bit of weight. But my bike has a motor, you see. Yeah. There we go. So there it helps we go. with that's everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you've kind of hinted at it there. You have joined the rank, ranks and bike radar. We um, make our bread being nerds and changing specs. What else have you changed along the way as part of your long-term mission? So the, the tyres was probably the most notable chair change. I went from, from those horizons to... 35mm Schwalbe G1 all-rounds, and that, that made a, a big difference to how responsive and, and quick the bike was on tarmac, but didn't sacrifice uh, how robust it felt uh, and how good it was off-road. So I th- by that point, I felt like I'd hit a pretty good um, pretty good compromise, really. And that's the thing. One of the main things I've learned about, about the world of bikes is that for everything you gain, there is usually a contrasting sacrifice and it's about trying to find your place on the spectrum with anything whether it's tires whether it's wheels whatever it might be um i tried tubeless for a bit around christmas and it was a complete disaster well, you're some uh, good company tom marvin mm. famously <laughs> useless with tubeless tires not, not a fan but i'm <laughs> yeah. a fan simon von bromley's words were, were ringing in my ears as the as the sealant poured out of my uh, <laughs> out of my tires after a, a mere week after after making the switch well they're not ringing in your ears when the uh, the man in the bike shop repeated them back to you as well <laughs> they, they were <laughs> indeed yeah travesty of a puncture yeah, the old, uh, when it goes wrong, it really, it really goes, goes wrong. wrong. And yeah, I had that repeated to me Ooh. ad infinitum. <laughs> and then, um, so after that, the the most recent and maybe even more notable than the tyres actually, most recent change was I wanted to have a go at 700C wheels because this bike can come in either incarnation, which further adds to its, its claim versatility. So I switched from 650B to 700C, still with the same Shelby tyres, uh, and did another road ride, 50 miler, and it was revelatory. I had a great time on that ride, and the bike really did feel like I was getting the best out of it. And I think I've arrived now, although this is something of an illusion, as you'll see in my uh, <laughs> in my most recent report, but I think I've arrived at, for me, the perfect version of the bike. That's excellent. You know, I've really enjoyed watching it sort of, um, you track through the changes and and learn about, I don't know, like bikes in general and how you can enjoy or change them just to go back to the punctures you know you did have a bit of a disastrous time for a while you spent quite a lot of time uh, <laughs> pushing your bike to work <laughs> you ended up settling for pirelli cinturato smart tubes which are sort of like tpu rather than butyl uh, tubes i think they're first what were they called tubelito the ones mm. the first ones on the market quite similar to that purely from professional interest gary how have they been well, the proof is in the pudding. I haven't had a puncture since I installed them. And I was running at about three punctures per day prior to them going in. So, uh, <laughs> you know, my ride to work is, is through the uh, 
the uh, the urban jungle that is the city of Bristol. Uh, quite a lot of quite a lot of broken glass on the way into work, and um, lots of bumps up and down curbs and cobbled sections, and lots of other hazardous detritus along the way. And I was getting an awful lot of punctures, uh, and I haven't had one since since I put those in. So, you know, I, I haven't been able to subject them to a, a von Bromley approved scientific test, <laughs> but the anecdotal test would suggest that they're doing a, a grand job. Wonderful. Now we've kind of talked about the highs. I mean, is there anything looking back over the past year that you think could have been improved or kind of changes you may have made to the bike from the offset? Well, I think it's subjective, isn't it? I think, you know, maybe the most important lesson I've learned is to, when you're looking for a bike and trying to spec the right bike, assuming you're only going to buy one, is to be really honest with yourself about what kind of riding you're going to do and spec the bike that is best for 80% of what you're going to do rather than the 20% that you may or may not do. And you might have a fanciful idea that you're going to do. And I think when I went into this, I thought, yeah, I'll be doing loads of gravel riding. And realistically, what I do most is ride to and from work and maybe once a month go out for a mm. 40, 50, 60 mile ride that's a bit further on tarmac and Bristol's really hilly. So I think it's no fault of the bike spec that it arrived with with tyres that are better suited to to gravel riding rather than, than sort of more sustained, hilly, tarmac riding. Um, but that would have been, that's the key change really, yeah. 650B to 700C and a slimmer tyre with better rolling resistance. For for sort of the general bimbling, right? say, say you weren't looking for slightly more performance uh, out of your ride and you just wanted pure decadent comfort for getting to and from work over, say, a couple of miles, would you have maybe kept the 650B large volume wheels or would you still have gone for the skinnier 700 bigger wheels? Yeah, I think as it arrived, it was probably the perfect all year round commuter with a bit of gravel, I mm-hmm. think. You if know. you're not interested in those longer rides and if you're not interested in yeah. like a longer commute perhaps. yeah maybe if you don't live somewhere particularly hilly mm. it, it was enormously comfortable mm. and I did sacrifice a bit of that and I was getting more anecdotally again I think there were more vibrations through the grips into my into mm. my wrists from from mm. the tyre change I made it was a little bit more twitchy um, so I think yeah for someone who just wants pure comfort and, and short distances the bike as it arrived was perfect um, the the name of it, which is the the I'm going to go off memory and not off your notes that are on the table that I can definitely read, was the Ribble Hybrid AL Leisure Fully Loaded Edition. Mm. Um, would you like to expand on what fully loaded means? Is it like when you get a burrito and you get the guacamole, the cheese, <laughs> you get the creme fraiche, you oh, get everything you're speaking in there? Gary's or? lingo now. Yeah, yeah, take me back to Mexico. Well, I mean, I suppose the, the guac in this uh, in this analogy would <laughs> would probably be the mudguards, right? Um, and that's another of the the biggest lessons I've learned is. The, the sheer importance of mudguards if you're going to commute all the week, all the year round. Mm. Uh, I didn't buy any wet weather gear for my first winter as a commuter and paid a really wow. heavy, grave price there. Your jeans were damp permanently from October till <laughs> February. Yeah, and as my colleagues will will, uh, will agree, there is no smell quite like wet denim. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really foul. Um, and this was, was a really wet spring, wasn't it? So um, the, the mudguards were, were earning their money for sure. Um, what else was in your analogy in the burrito? The coriander, perhaps, is the... Uh, oh, that's a bit I'd leave out. Yeah, carry on. that's Ribble's own bell. Right, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Well, this is great. <laughs> which, which actually does have importance. I've, I've very nearly taken out uh, a few bleary-eyed uh, pedestrians on the cycle path and uh, saved them at the last minute with the little bell, although I think it is... It's not a particularly functional bell. It's right. uh, it's a style over substance number. I think Much it's... like coriander. Well, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> my, my friends in Mexico would disagree. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this brief analogy. <laughs> 
Is there I mean, anything else kind of like looking back? Some sriracha, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> anything else looking back or like changes you'd perhaps, now we've come to the end of your long-term sort of schedule, any other changes you'd want to make along the way? Yes, yes, there's a big one. I, uh, a motor? No, sir, no. I have learned that charging bike lights is incredibly annoying mm. and it's something that I forget to do very frequently. And if you do commute throughout the winter every day and maybe go out in the evening sometimes as well, I think at least a dozen times over the last year I found myself going to leave in the middle of in the middle of winter in the dark with lights that don't work. Mm. I'd get a dynamo on there straight away. Mm. I'm obviously going to say yes as a dynamo darling. I'm I'm well and truly on board, particularly for commuters. Um Yes, perhaps one to consider in the not-too-distant future, although we have just come to the height of summer, so hopefully we don't have to think about it for too, too long. No, and when I say I'd get a dynamo on there, I mean I'd go around to your house with four beers and you'd, you'd fit a dynamo <laughs> for me, Jack. Of course, gladly, Gary. Kind of looking elsewhere, you know, just to go back to the tubeless stuff briefly, you know, I, I'd, I would say tubeless tech, generally speaking, would you think it's fair to say, Tom, it's kind of a performance enthusiast kind of bit of tech more than anything else? Yeah, I think you have to be a little bit more wary of it. I think you have to be a bit more aware of what you've got going on in there. You know, your sealant does dry out. So if you're not going to be, if you're maintenance averse, like myself, then you've got to remember to do all these little bitty things. that is quite annoying. And, you know, like a puncture with an inner tube is an annoyance and they do happen. But it's not the end of the world. You know, it's quite easy to carry a spare inner tube on your bike with a pump and all that sort of stuff. And you get slightly dirty hands, but it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you do get a puncture with, you know, with uh, with tubeless and you're, you know, at the side of the road on the way to work, it's it's raining a little bit. And you've got to deal with like sealant. And sealant gets, every, I mean, it's designed to get everywhere. It gets everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's a nightmare. And I think just for those day-to-day, back-and-forth, regular trips, to be honest, I've never tubeless any of my commuting bikes. I just don't think it's worth the hassle for the potential payoff of maybe one less puncture a winter. But nah, for, for mountain biking and, you know, definitely for gravel, absolutely. For road, I don't know. But for commuting, nah, not my bag. Would you agree with that assessment, Gary? Yeah, I think those are sage words. And, you know, I definitely, I definitely am maintenance-averse. That being said, I think one of the next things on my list would be a basic cycle maintenance course because... The, the more miles you add to your rides and the further from home you get, assuming your partner isn't following you in the van, <laughs> you do need to be able to, to you know, to do the basics. And uh, I was painfully aware, deep in Dorset with no phone reception, that I don't know how to fix a puncture uh, and probably <laughs> probably should do. And and with tubeless, I think, you know, the 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 the, uh, the admin would be well beyond the, the the minor advantages. So, yeah, I think I'm I'm sold, at least for the time being, on sticking with tubes i promise you we'll teach you how to change punctures it's not difficult and of course there are excellent guides mm. on bicycle radar some of my favorites i refer <laughs> to them on a weekly basis <laughs> uh, a final point gary you touched on it there with the van am i right in saying you are now a single vehicle household yeah and we're, we're, we're almost a zero vehicle household around about the time i got the bike we both sold our cars and committed to active transport with a little bit of help from Bristol's fairly appalling public transport system. <laughs> uh, and it's been, you know, I don't regret it at all. We use the van only to, to go away in the summer. We don't use it to, to drive to and from in Bristol. Um, I've committed to to using a bike as my, my, my mode of transport. And the amount of money I've saved in the year I've been testing this bike would already pay to buy this bike. So there you go. Well, you've led me to my kind of perfect question, you know, I, I mean this with no sort of, um, not to be patronising, but like, you know, as a relatively speaking punterish consumer, mm -hmm. 
you know, would you consider now having spent the year on it, would you gladly go and spend £1,200 on a bike like this? Yeah, I mean, £1,200 is a lot of money to to anybody, not least in the middle of a cost of living crisis. But I think you have to ask yourself the question of what you're going to get out of it, what would you, what you would do if you didn't have it. And it is my mode of transport. So straight away, no car tax, no car insurance, no clear, clean air charge, no petrol, no MOT every year, no maintenance or minimal maintenance. I think the price is justifiable. The question would be, could I get everything that I get for it by paying a half or two thirds mm. as much? And, and to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. I haven't tested lots of other commuter bikes, but I think the price is justifiable. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. I think, you know, you can spend a lot less on a mm. hybrid bike and you'll get, a, I would say, something which is 80% as good to put a random number on it. But, yeah. you know, you are completely right. If you're if you're making quite a wholesale change in your life, I think it's a justifiable price, certainly, to, to spend. Um, just on next question, you know, what's next for you mm. and your beloved Ribble? Any dream adventures on the horizon? And then next question... What are you going to test next, Gary? And could we tempt you to go electric? Yeah, all right. Like Dylan in 65. (laughs) That reference is lost. Shoehorned in. I'm I'm a millennial. I don't really understand these things. (laughs) The next thing I would like to do with the Ribble would be a bikepacking trip. Uh, And I realize I'm sat with a couple of of veterans of the genre here. So what would your advice be? (laughs) Reluctant veteran in this case. Uh, First question, throwing throwing them back at you here, Jack. First question is, should I on that bike? given the, the hilly nature mm-hmm. of the, the British countryside and the, and the relatively high weight of that bike, adding some some additional uh, things such as a bikepacking tent and various bags, should I do it on that bike? And what do I need to get in order to facilitate that? Uh, it depends on the kind of adventure you want to have. I think if you want to have a nice lightweight bikepacking adventure, there is no shame in the good old hostel. You know, I like camping as much as anybody, but staying in between Egyptian cotton is also very, very nice. Egyptian cotton, cotton in a hostel. In yeah, a hostel. Yeah, hostel. Yeah, hostel. Yeah, hostel. Happens, does it? No. Well, you know, okay. Maybe a silk sleeping bag liner if <laughs> yeah. you want to make sure you don't get all the nits and the ticks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but for bikepacking itself, like that is it. That's a whole other world of spending money, which is great fun. Um, but good thing you've got lots of generous colleagues who will lend you kit. As to whether you should do it on that bike, absolutely. There's nothing holding you back doing it on that particular bike, nor anybody else listening. Any bike will do for bikepacking, really. Um, as a man who likes pushing very heavy tandems in stupid places, weight should never really be the concern because you can always get off and push. Mm. I'm a big advocate of pushing. Love a bit of Shanks pony midway through a, uh, a bike ride. On the other question with e-bikes, mm. Gary... Do you think you could ever be tempted over? Do you think Tom Marvin's persuasive arguments could win you? I think I think for my commute is about just shy of three miles each way. So I think it's a bit longer than mine then. And you ride an e-bike every day. Every day. <laughs> so for an athlete like myself, it'd be redundant. I mean, for you, Tom, maybe it's uh, <laughs> maybe it's necessary. No, I would. Uh, I have ridden a couple of e-bikes since I, since I started the test on the Ribble and thoroughly enjoyed it. And one of my sort of greater cycling ambitions, inspired by other people on bike radar is to have a bash at the West Kerno Way. Now, mm. I, I feel fairly certain I wouldn't manage that on a non-assisted bike. Uh, whether I could do it on an electric bike is a really interesting question. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, I would I would have a look at an electric bike. Um, in terms of what I would test next, I suppose there are, there are a few different directions I could go in. Um, having tested a, a pretty, pretty solid all-round commuter, and hybrid, maybe I could go in the gravel direction and test mm. a gravel bike. 
I could test an electric bike um, or maybe something, maybe a sort of a toe into the world of road. But I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to fully commit to uh, to everything that comes with being a road cyclist. Curly handlebars, shaving your legs. The All lycra, stuff. the lycra, oh, Tom. Me, the lycra. Yeah. <laughs> well, lucky for you, Gary, we do have a wonderful test fleet of bikes waiting for you just down the road where you can go and play whatever you please. So I look forward to seeing what your cycling adventures look like in the next 12 months once again please do read gary's long-term report it's been very very entertaining it's absolutely worth listening to uh, reading rather um and we hope you've enjoyed this podcast do you have any suggestions for gary what would you have picked for his cycling exploits let us know at podcast at bikeradar.com and in the meantime tom marvin gary walker thank you very much for being on the podcast and we'll speak to you all again soon Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.